Hey everyone, this is Johnny. Just wanted to quickly go over some housekeeping before the episode starts. When we started this podcast, we were using a different name called Get To The Podcast, but didn't realize there was already a podcast with that name with over 200 plus episodes, so we decided to change the name. But we already had a bunch of episodes in the can, so if you're listening and you hear us enter the pod with the old name, that is why. But we are now officially called Commando Prompt. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Get to the Podcast, the podcast where we watch and examine action movies through a modern lens. I am one of your hosts, Ethan Willard. And I am Johnny Gaynor. And Johnny, today we are talking about uh, the film that I would describe as uh, the cinema equivalent of shoving fentanyl directly into your asshole. <laughs> That's definitely one way to put it. It is absolutely uh, a shoving force, um, uh, a torta force. It, 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 is a, it is a wild ride. We are talking about uh, The Raid Redemption, uh, which when it initially came out, it was just called The Raid. Um, it was then re-released as uh, The Raid Redemption. Yes. Um, it is a 2011 action film, uh, a 2011 Indonesian action film from a decidedly non-Indonesian director. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Gareth Evans. Uh, Gareth Evans. Yes. Um, who was, in, his wife is, right, Indonesian, Japanese? Yes. Uh, Indonesian, Japanese descent. Seems to have had some familiarity with the particular martial arts of the Jakarta area. Yeah. Yeah. So, this movie, so I'm going to go through a little bit of history of the movie and then to just contextualize this movie I thought it might be beneficial to go through some like action movie subgenres that would be helpful for me as well um, so this movie like we said came out in 2011 the tagline or the about of what it is it is an elite squad is tasked to infiltrate a high rise building run by a ruthless drug lord in the slums of Jakarta um, Gareth Edwards came across the idea for the film when he was filming a documentary in Indonesia about the country's martial art. I'm going to try and you pronounce this. this. You got it. Pencock Salat? Sure. Pencock Salat? I was, was going to say Pencock. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is the form of martial arts that is like on full display in this movie. Um, it is a full body fighting, grappling and throwing, uh, the way it is visualized in the movie, it's, it seems to deal a lot with, uh, constantly moving mm -hmm. a lot of like momentum using your enemies weapons, whether that be their, an actual weapon, like a knife or club or something, or just their fists and, uh, feet against them. Um, it is ruthless, at least from the movie, it seems ruthless. Uh, and the movie was originally going to be a lot more elaborate, but they ran out of money 
and decided to make it more focused. Yeah, I couldn't tell reading briefly about it if he wanted it to be more elaborate as far as a story and narrative is concerned, more action, or what it was. It seemed like uh, the quasi-documentary style that he originally wanted to start with didn't totally hold. Yeah, I'm wondering, yeah, like you just said i wondered what he wanted to elaborate on i wonder if it was like maybe like more melodramatic mm-hmm. or something uh because the, the beginning of the film kind of is a little bit indicative of that which we'll get into in a right. second uh did you want to bring up anything no i mean i'll wait until we go through uh more of the film to talk about any sort of production quality or production notes that i've taken just johnny's fun facts just johnny's fun facts yeah. later um so, to get, to contextualize this movie a little bit more, well, first of all, first of all, let's do this. What are your high level thoughts about the movie? Right away, <clears throat> I I I went into it without any idea of what the film was about. Uh, I also went into it with very little knowledge of films who would base an entire story surrounding a very specific cultural and um, just specific type of martial arts. Yeah. And so I had no idea what that would be like. I thought it was extremely brave and probably difficult to make a film solely based off of movement. Like you said, this is a movie that forces you, the viewer, the, the actors, everything is in motion. And I thought it was a really bold thing to do. Yeah. About 30 minutes into the film, I realized, okay, this is this is what we're doing. This is yeah. action for action for action. Yeah. And uh, I thought that would be difficult. And I didn't think I would be interested at first. Um, I don't know if I need my hand held as far as a narrative is concerned, but I just was wondering, where is this going? Um, but I thought it was really bold and extremely impressive to be able to do it is my first like sort of high level thought there is i don't think one wasted minute in the movie like the entire runtime in the movie i would say is justified because there is constantly something moving the plot forward something moving the action forward um i think I, i i mentioned to you i was aware of the movie because everybody talked about it like it is this revelatory film for the action genre. Um, it is like on another level in terms of action choreography, fight choreography, that sort of thing. And my first exposure to Gareth Evans was, I mentioned to you, he directed, I think produces a show called Gangs of London, which is on AMC Plus, which I'm sure not that many people have a subscription to. <laughs> um, What's wrong with AMC Plus? I mean, AMC, good net, good network. Weird that they have their own subscription service. They wanted to throw their hat ring into streaming, I guess. Um, but I, like, uh, I think last Christmas there was, like, a deal on AMC Plus for free, and I saw Gangs of London. It's like, oh, this is interesting. Let me try this out. And my first introduction to his style of fight choreography was ruthless. Um, I mentioned to you that there's a scene where 
this guy uh, just walks into a bar uh, to, I think he's trying to like find someone or like get information where he drags a guy by his leg, takes it up to the edge of a bar and just completely just breaks his leg on the edge of the bar. And it is the, one of the more visceral like action moments I've ever <laughs> seen. And, and that was a big reason why it took me so long to watch the raid because I was like, if this is going to be a whole movie like this, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. It's interesting to find somebody who... Uh, it's not violence for violence sake. It's... Yeah. I don't know how to describe tasteful action. I wouldn't say anything about the movie is gratuitous. No. And everything is meant, like you said, to move whatever is being told forward. Yeah. And that's what I struggled with at first because I, I have a hesitancy to let myself go for action movies that are the classic sort of two over the top yeah. or something like that. And I didn't know what this was going to be like. And Like a Quentin Tarantino, like just yeah. like arterial spray type. It gets a little, of course, everyone can get a little bored of that. And so yeah. I didn't know if that was going to be the case and it, it clearly wasn't. And like you said, it's, it is ruthless. There is no holding back in any of this action. Not at all. No. So, my high-level thought is this movie completely whips. Yeah. Whip, whip, whip. <laughs> it is... It deserves every ounce of... High, if you have any friend that is, like, begging you to watch the raid, they're doing it for, the reason, for right. a reason. Like, this movie is insane. <laughs> yes. It is so intense. Um, so before we get into like the plot and, and like kind of dissecting more like our thoughts about it, I wanted to give, I wanted to break down the action genre because within action movies, I would say there are several types of action movies within the genre. And I think this would help us kind of identify, you know, what they're trying to do with the action choreography, with the pacing, things like that. So the categories I have are you got your disaster action, mm. which are movies where the thrust is some sort of like climate, weather, space event that rarely happens. You know, your, uh, your day after tomorrow's, your Armageddon's, your Dante's Peaks. Um, you got the creepy crawler mutant action, which is movies where the main characters are fighting against some, you know, unnatural enemies, zombies, vampires, etc. <laughs> this is my favorite genre that I made up. Your president slash American exceptionalist action. Oh yeah. Uh, this is uh, I wrote in my notes. This is a term I came up with because it it very much is a type of movie. At least in the 90s, um, movies that center around the president or some high-ranking politician where they're thrust into some, like, extremely weird situation. Your Air Force One, uh, Independence Day, you know, things like that. Superhero action, self-explanatory. And then you have, and this movie, I would say, is kind of adjacent to it, your lone wolf military specialist movies. Um, and it's hard to differentiate these movies from pure martial arts movies because I, I kind of think they're in, inextricable. Um, they're very much influenced by one another. Your lone wolf movies are like 
Jason Bourne, Mission Impossible, people who are incredibly adept at the things they are doing. Usually they're on the run. Um, usually they're really good at like analyzing their surroundings and things like that. Um, and I wanted to bring that up because I think it gives like a good pathway to the raid. Because uh, you have movies uh, like the Bourne series, mm-hmm. which I, at least in my memory, were kind of the first movies that started to capitalize on this. Like he's a superhero, except he doesn't have superpowers. You know, he's right. really good at analyzing any situation. He's really good at fighting. He's, you know, more physically fit than an average human being, those sort of things. Um, and then we get to, of course, John Wick in 2014, which more or less, I was describing to you, breaks the action industry terms in terms of action choreography mm-hmm. a lot of movies since john wick try to emulate the type of fighting that is happening in john wick john wick kind of almost created its own martial arts he's extremely brutal he is scrappy he manages to get himself out of any situation and most of the time i would say his martial art form is like guns yeah. <laughs> it's like using guns in insane ways in a tricky yeah and artistic ways because of john wick you start getting so many movies that are trying to cash in on that you get movies like nobody with um what the hell is his name bob odenkirk mm-hmm Saul Goodman. Um, you get movies like Atomic Blonde. You get uh, okay. Old, Old Guard, which is... That movie actually kicks ass. Old Guard is really good. It's on Netflix. Um, but yeah, so I think this is important to contextualize because The Raid comes out before John Wick. Yes. But you, uh, you, I don't think there is a world that John Wick exists without The Raid. Right. And, I, I, and I'm glad you did contextualize it because I don't understand the subgenres nearly as much as you do and i i wouldn't even begin to pretend why one is birth out of the other without sort of understanding this lineage and the fact that the raid was a 2011 movie beyond just the the cinematic sort of look of it 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 doesn't feel like it, it feels no. different than really anything else kind of like yeah. you're saying the born franchise being one of the first of that time um which I had to look up, 2002 was the first Bourne movie. Oh, my God. Really? The Bourne Identity, 2002. Holy smokes. And The Raid coming in at 2011. But it is, like you're saying, it's this this superhero without the superpowers. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I I, I like that it was so genre-defining. And I think part of the genre-defining elements of it, the question I'm still asking when I'm hoping you can maybe shed light on is, what what is an action movie supposed to do? Yeah. And I, I the raid made me question that because I hadn't seen a movie like it before that made me think, maybe this is what an action movie is supposed to do. Now, whatever that means is obviously, I guess, up to the individual viewer. But yeah. It was a question that made me want to talk during this podcast about, like, what, what was the genre supposed to do? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I think that is p- 
part of the reason why a movie like John Wick hit as hard as it did because mm-hmm. I think it gave a purpose behind the action. Right. Uh, the whole spoiler alert, I guess the whole crux of John Wick is that uh, a dude kills his dog. Right. Um, and, you know, I and, but that is the beginning of it. But then as the movie goes on, you start to see that there is this much deeper lore and history to not only the person, John Wick, but the people that he works for. There's, I think I mentioned to you the ethos of like the hitman league that he was a part of very much inspired by like greek mythology Mm -hmm. um and people i think really liked that because that has been people have been trying to like emulate that in later movies like hitman hitman with some degree of history behind them some degree of motivation behind them besides the fact that they are just hunky guys women killing things in a real efficient way not to be too on the nose is that what the redemption is in raid is the is the idea even behind something the genre that john wick and raid birthed is it just the the full conception of redemption whoa i don't know it sounds like you're describing that kind of hits me the greek dang idea i mean because to be completely frank i watched the raid i looked at the title i didn't know what the redemption part was yeah 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 yeah. i do want to critique it in that sort of way yeah did they just throw that in there because it's a a cool title no but that's a really good point it's almost like a redeeming of the action genre as a whole because i think a lot of people people Myself included, people watch action movies to shut their brain off. Absolutely. I thought we were doing a lot of these viewing exercises for that reason. Yeah. And you threw me a curveball with the raid. That's what I do. I'm a real good baseball player. (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely thought this is a redemptive sort of genre. Yeah. It's a good point because, you know, you think about movies like Independence Day, Air Force One, uh, movies like that. They can't, like, what are they, what are they for? What are they supposed to do? Yeah. And to me, it's like we talked about in the last episode, the American exceptionalism, of course, shines through in Independence Day. Um, any of those movies, is tr- I, I would imagine, is some sort of commentary on nationalism. Yeah. But the action then it becomes secondary. Yeah. And this film was ridiculous. Or if that's even a term, it, it it redeemed those sort of. It redeemed the reason why he was doing the things he was doing. Right. Um, and I'm. I think the action genre is better for it because you're starting to get these movies that are thinking about. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm drinking beer, so I'm burping. Uh, you're getting these movies that are thinking about why the main character is punching the person in the face (laughs) for lack of a better description exactly it's not just for action's sake yeah so with all that said should we start recapping the movie yes or did you want to bring up anything else 
not i see that you have the wikipedia page open for the born movie i had to see when it started 2002 is early yeah in my mind i was 12 which is wild to me Hmm. we'll have to watch those oh shit i thought that button did something no that that oh my god i'm really fucking this up oh because the music's down oh my god Look at us. <laughs> um, I don't know how to turn the crickets off. There you go. Um, so, all right. This movie starts extremely tellingly. The first shot is a ticking watch. Yes. Um, and this movie does more within its first five minutes explaining the message of the movie than I think a lot. It is so efficient. In its opening, you open with the ticking watch. You open with the lead character, Rama, which I I hope that there isn't any nuance to pronouncing that name. Um, You open with the lead character, Rama, uh, like he's like working out. He's he's um, he's uh, punching uh, punching bag. You can tell that he's extremely physically fit, that he's extremely fast. He's he's extremely competent in what he's doing uh you see him go to his wife's bedside who is pregnant um he's very he seems like he's a family man and then you see him talk to i'm i'm guessing his dad uh, and he tells his dad i'm going to bring him back yes so in the first five minutes we understand what Rama is about. We understand the pacing of the movie, and we understand what he is going to try to do on this raid. A disciplined Muslim man. He does pray to Allah. Oh, does he? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know, and then I was reading, and I, I didn't know what kind of prayer he was doing. Oh, interesting. And they very explicitly state that he, yeah, is, uh, I guess, huh. practicing Islam. Is Islam a prominent part of Indonesia? A little bit from what I can tell. Okay. I did a little history, or not history, read briefly on the, the BRIMOB, the B-R-I-M-O-B, which is their special forces that they're representing in the film. Okay. And it was a religiously sort of backed... Um, this is all good for me to know. Yeah. But I don't. I, I I would be completely out of line trying to make any assumptions beyond that. And then after after he says that whole thing, you get the title card. Yes. And we are, again, once again, there there are very few moments of stillness within this movie. So then the next shot, we're going to the moving van. Mm-hmm. That we don't even we don't even get them within like uh, their police department or whatever like talking about what they're going to do. They are talking about this in the van on the way to the raid. Right, and I thought that was interesting. Like you're talking about constant movement. Yeah, there's no police headquarters where this is being given to them. They all look freaked out. Yeah, they're all getting ready, and anxiety is up. Except Rama. Rama's chill. Rama's like. He's disciplined. I'm fine with this. Um, and it's interesting. So the the captain in the van, Jaka, I think his name is, he is, you know, saying what they're going to do. They're going to this apartment complex that's run, that's run by this crime lord that has been keeping it under a pretty, 
He's been using this apartment po- car- complex to, uh, what is it called? Field all of his drugs. Yeah, they have a lab somewhere. Yeah, um, and then also oppress the individuals that live in the apartment complex, some of which, you know, are just trying to go about their daily lives, some of which who are addicted to the drugs that he's selling. So there's a lot of social commentary going on in there. And Rama, or one of the lieutenants, I think, says something, and Rama kind of speaks up and, like, challenges him on it. And the lieutenant is like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, why is he, why is he trying to challenge me right now? Um, and so you get a little glimpse of like what Rama is about. He's a, he's, I mean, seemingly a rookie in this police force, but he knows what he's doing. He's, he's a confident guy. Yeah. Definitely a man on the up and up. Yeah. So they get to the apartment complex. They come storming out and really really gotta praise like the level of discipline these actors have because they really do seem like a cohesive military unit absolutely and so much again about what is an action movie supposed to do and the idea of yeah the idea of these actors having to be able to not only do the physical toll that this type of martial arts requires yeah um but learning that they're not all trained actors yeah and then going into this cohesive sort of um vision of 20 men having to work together it, it, it extremely impressive crew. yeah yeah uh the i guess we should briefly say the main character who plays brahma who we just figured out his name is eco weiss yep um he is a practitioner of the martial art, uh, Pensac Malat, or Pensac, right? what? Did I say that right? I have it written somewhere. Yeah, so Pensac Salat, again, apologies if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Um, so he is a real-life practi- practitioner of that martial art form. Uh, Gareth Evans found him <laughs> While he was filming his uh, documentary in Indonesia, he was a cell phone salesman? Yeah, he he was like some type of, within Indonesia, working as like a, either repairman or some sort of cell phone salesman, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, that really comes across that he knows what he's doing in more way than one. Like, him as a character is confident in what he's doing, but then him as the human being is also confident in what he's doing. Right. Um, So, yeah, they make it to the apartment complex. They are doing this really cool scene where they're all extremely organized, like, uh, getting into position to storm this apartment complex. Um, they see a guy that I, I think is, like, standing guard outside, and they quietly take care of him. Um, and so they get to the entrance to the complex and there is one of the citizens that will come up later coming to the complex who needs, I think he's picking up medicine for his wife. Yeah. He just has bags and looks distressed. And they're, (laughs) 
they're being really mean to him yeah. they're like you can't go in there we're about to like fuck this entire building um and rama is like could we stop doing that like he's just trying to get to his wife like he lives here like there aren't just crime lords here there are actually people who like live here because under whatever circumstance they can't leave yeah and i think like you mentioned before the the first 10 20 minutes of the film uh, let's keep it even under 10 minutes of the film tells the most narrative Mm -hmm. of the entire film yeah and this couple that will keep coming back to play within the story just however you want to read it i think society or culturally says so much about what is going on like you're saying within this 15 story building run by a drug lord there are these sort of quote-unquote more normal characters these citizens who are not trying to do anything but get by and speak obviously you can write some sort of commentary about that and i think they're that couple is one of the most interesting sort of characters within the film. Yeah, there's these little micro stories of the people who are trying to just survive right. in this building. Um, you have the people who you have the the kids, yeah, who because they don't really see another way out, they're working for the the crime boss whose uh, name is Tama, who we're about to introduce. Um, you have. Uh, the individual that again was coming in uh, with like the medicine for his wife who are you know from whatever reason living there because they don't have any other choice you have people who are addicted to the drugs that they're selling you have the people that work for Tama like there's a lot of really interesting storytelling that is happening there that's not being explicitly told to the viewer yes and just as a a clarifying point this is the entire film takes place in a 15-story apartment complex. Yeah. Is it 15 stories? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Which is another, I should mention, subgenre of action movie. Yes. But what would you call that one? Apartment complex. <laughs> the, the, the cylinder. Yeah. It, like, you're, you're diehard. Yeah. Where you're you're in a building and the dread. Yeah, yeah. The the really excellent uh, remake of Judge Dread, uh, just called Dread. Yeah. So we're then introduced to Tama, the bad guy, and again, very efficiently told what he is about. Mm-hmm. You first see him eating a bowl of noodles, and then he immediately transitions from putting down the bowl of noodles to executing five individuals in cold fucking blood. Just going up behind their heads, shooting the first four, runs out of bullets, says, I'll be right back, opens uh, the fucking drawer in his, like, secretary table. There, I need to say one very specific thing there are bullets in that drawer but there's also a hat uh machete oh, yeah. and he chooses to go for the machete yes this is a ruthless killer yeah through through. so you're just he kills casually as if you know it's any other thing for him and the, and the pacing of that scene also starts to put into place what kind of action you're going to see the fact yeah. that he sort of is taking his time yeah. and going back and forth. And it, it is such a calculated, action-filled moment. He's almost like, with his body language, he's almost comical. Oh, yeah. 
with the way he just does not care. Well, I, I have notes in here about the idea of, um, is there any sort of comedy in it? And I don't know why I, I, I'm, I was looking for comedy almost because I, I kind of thought this was going to be a bad film. And he, to me, is the comedy relief. Yeah. Him as a character is somewhat funny. Yeah. Because he's so over the top. You need to have something yeah. in a movie like this. Um, before they enter the building, I need to mention that they meet up with, I'm guessing, is like the captain of like the police squad or whatever, who I, I'm not going to even call him by name because I dislike this character as much. In all of my notes, I call him the gray-haired piece of shit because he is a gray-haired piece of shit. They meet up with this guy. He's uh, again. He's he's. I think he's the captain of the force or something like that. Um, he is mad that Jaka brought all these men with him, and Jaka is like, "What did you expect? Like, we are storming this entire building. We're gonna need more guys." He's pissed at Jaka because not only did he bring all these men, but he's involved a lot of other people and told a lot of people, and you can immediately tell that. He is not, uh, he's not on the level with everyone else. Yeah, something's up. Yeah. So they storm the building. They're going floor by floor. Uh, you see a couple shots of them going into each, each, uh, going into rooms and, uh, and detaining a lot of people who are using, uh, a lot of, a lot of just like junkies who like, barely have their faculties with them like they're either asleep or they're just like don't care and then they get to a floor where they see a kid walk out of a bathroom mm -hmm. and that is when the domino dominoes start to fall in the whole movie yes because he I, I i think has this pivotal moment where as a viewer you can't tell is this a child the innocence, the sort of scared look on his face, or is he a part of this sort of larger um, syndicate that is controlling the apartment complex? Yeah, they're a really good moment. Yeah, there's because a lot of th this, again, this, these pauses, this, these moments of silence within such a fast action movie build tension. Yeah, yeah. And... Man, that, that moment goes on for, like... It's a while. A good, like, 30 seconds. Uh, and then we see the kid run away, and we as the audience learn that he's he, he is not on, quote-unquote, our side, the cop side. Yeah. Which, I mean, that brings into a whole other topic of conversation. Should we even be on their side? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was interesting how you phrased it at the beginning, that these people are at the whim of Tama, that they're under his spell, as yeah. you would say. That that he they're not there by their own sort of choice. And, of course, I'm being... I'm joking. But at the same time, there is this idea where you get pulled back and forth of, like, who's right and who's wrong. Yeah. And we do come to... Uh, briefly in the van on the way Jaka says that Tama has two lieutenants that he relies on. Mad Dog who doesn't get a name. This is Mad Dog and uh, he is like, you know, he's the brute. He's the he's the executor executioner uh, and Andy 
who is the brains, more yes. or less. The more calculated of the yeah. two. And we'll get there, but Andy certainly seems like he wants to be there. Mad Dog seems like he wants to be there. There are people who, because they're benefiting from all the people that they're literally, you know, stepping on underneath them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the kid runs through the door, gray-haired piece of shit, <laughs> shoots through the door. Yep. But the bullet does not the bullet does not get there in time. The kid has enough time to yell up to the upper levels to say police. Yes. Right when he says that a bullet goes through his neck. Yep. So again, immediately I call him a gray-haired piece of shit. Yeah. Justifiably because he just shot a kid. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely uh I, not a fan. And Jaka rightfully is like, "What the fuck did? Why did you? Why did you do that? We mm-hmm. could have handled that any number of different ways, and you decided to immediately step to violence." Um, and it should be said that prior to that, you know, they're not being violent; they're detaining the people in right. the in the bottom floors. They're not killing people; they're just, you know, knocking them out, getting them out of the picture. And I think Jaka and Rama sort of embody these more, like you're saying, they're. They're younger, and they seem like they have an understanding tone. Yeah. So uh, that then tips off Tama, Mm -hmm. and that is what starts everything from happening. Yeah. The the kid was an alarm. Yeah. Tama very quickly um, tells them to shut off all of the electricity within the building cut off all the entrances entrances except the main entrance when they where they came in um, and to cut off all communication to the outside the worst part is that no one even knows that this police team is there and why is that the gray-haired piece of shit yep who i guess i'll just say it his name is why wahoo why who w a Y H U. Yep. Who I'm just gonna call Wahoo. He <laughs> <laughs> looks like a Wahoo. Yeah, he looks like a fucking Wahoo. Um. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they they are alone, and all of a sudden you are enclosed within the cylinder of the yep. 15 stories. The the entire movie then takes place in this sort of isolation. This idea that they are trapped. Yeah, they have to. Their only measure of success is getting the person that they came there for and trying to get out alive, um, alive, which we will learn very quickly is extremely difficult because at that moment you have this really dope shot where they're all in the corridor, the lights are off, they are thinking about what their next move is going to be. Um, there's a dude with like a with a shotgun who's going to do some sort of like, um, you know, it's like one of those SWAT things where he shoots like the hinges off the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get this amazing shot where he panics because he sees the door starting to creak open. So he shoots. And within the muzzle fire, you see the silhouettes of all of Thomas du- dudes on the top, on the floor above them aiming down at them yes and in that moment that is when all of the action starts yeah and we should uh specify that tama on the 15th floor where he operates 
let the entire apartment complex know through the telecom system. Yeah. Which was a really cool scene in my mind of like having this sort of overlord, this, this, he seems like a shadowy figure for all the tenants there to sort of give these directions that he basically says we have like a rodent problem within the apartment complex. Yeah. Those who exterminate, you can live here rent free for the rest of your life. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that. And importantly, he throws that option out. Right. Which is extremely exploitative bullshit. Yeah. yeah. This whole thing is about power struggle manipulation. Oh, yeah. Back and forth. Big time. And a lot of people stuck in the middle between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that that adds another layer to the people that are, like, coming after them because it's like, do they want to be doing this? Are they on Thomas' side or are they just trying? They're in a really bad situation and they really could use just living rent-free. Yeah. Or not knowing if the cops are just going to kill them anyway. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, they open fire and immediately all of the, a lot of the cops start dying. Yeah. This is in the part of the movie where not for any particular reason, bad or good. Uh, but I start to lose an idea of how many characters are in the film because I don't know how many people are dying and I don't know if main characters are dying because we (laughs) haven't really been introduced to a lot of characters, Uh (laughs) but bodies are dropping. You need to pay extreme attention and maybe have like, well, this movie does have subtitles, um, unless you are Johnny and get all the dub versions. <laughs> it was amazing. The English dub version, I highly recommend watching first, and then not the other version. Yeah. Um, uh, you need to be paying extreme attention to like get the characters, <laughs> who they are, and even the amount of people. I mean, I know now, I think there's 18 total cops. That 20. Went, 20? Okay. Um so, yeah, so they're getting com- ambushed. Uh, they're panicking. Um, they try to get, and I, I mean, a lot of these guys are seeing their friends die. And, like, you can see it on a lot of their faces, like, holy shit, this is turning out to be completely not what I signed up for. Um, so they try and find a open apartment building. Um, they barricade themselves in there. And this is where we start to see Rama very slowly show what he is capable of. So he is the first person, as they're getting completely destroyed by uh, all, all, the, all the men on the outside. And then there's also two snipers who are on, like, I think an opposite building i guess yeah where those bullets come from is a good question yeah um he realized rama realizes that the floorboards underneath them are weak and that he can use uh the axe that they brought with them to breach uh doors to basically barrel themselves downward (laughs) yes and this is a part of the film uh i mean the entire beginning when they enter the apartment complex i'm already thinking it uh, but something we haven't really talked about is what this apartment complex looks like. Yeah. And the way that they manipulate not just the floorboards, uh, but the way that they use things around them as weapons. Yeah. The way that they take the apartment complex apart, whether it's bullets getting sprayed through walls, um, like you said, digging and burrowing down from floor to floor. Yeah. This apartment complex is such a cool 
set design. Yeah. From a totally, we're talking production uh, point at this um, point, but it, it is a really cool, dingy, grimy set design. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more going on than you think. Yeah. Um, so they start tunneling through the floors. They get down a floor. Um, they think that they can do the same thing again. They go down another floor. Uh, they're really starting to have their numbers dwindled at this point. Um, they, um, one, uh, the Lieutenant that like makes fun of Rama at the beginning in the, in the car, Mm -hmm. um, he gets, I think knocked back by an explosion. So he gets hurt like pretty bad. And then I think he also gets shot in the gut. Um, and Rama kind of uses that moment to be like fully mask off. Like, all right, I can't just be the cop here. I need to use everything that I have in order to get out of here, uh, in order to accomplish what I need to accomplish and in order to get back to my pregnant wife. Yeah. So he rips a keg <laughs> out of the out, out of the bottom of a sink somehow he just knew it was there yeah i gotta imagine that it's like a cultural thing that you just know there's gonna be one there under all the sinks yeah and he throws it in a refrigerator he pushes it up against a door throws a grenade into it and I mean, effectively, he gets rid of all the people that are banging outside the door. Yeah, he creates some sort of improvised bomb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, knocks his ass out, knocks out most of them. Yep. Um, he comes to, and they're all trying to be quiet. Mm-hmm. So, because there's, like, there's, at this point, like, five of them left. Yeah. Um, the Jaka, gray-haired idiot... And another guy that I'm not sure his name, uh, they go up a floor and Rama with the injured Lieutenant stayed down. They're able to evade everything cause they're being quiet. And as soon as Rama goes out into one of the corridors, this is when the martial arts starts to happen. Yes. And this is very interesting because it takes 38 minutes for you to even know that Rama is capable of what he is doing, which is completely eviscerating everyone with, with like a guy that he's supporting the weight on, Mm -hmm. on his shoulder and a fucking police baton. Yeah. I mean, obviously he starts getting like uh, like other weapons from the people around him, but he completely just dances his way through an entire hallway just murdering all these people. And it's uh, this and uh, another scene coming up that we'll talk about. They're long martial arts scenes. Mm -hmm. Again, and we're just talking about these people as actors who did not come from an acting sort of background. Yeah. It's just, it's an amazing feat of physical ability. The acting on top of the actual martial arts is very impressive. Um, It's just very cool. It's a a nice long I gotta imagine to keep that level of, like, focus, of, like, keeping track of what you're supposed to do next, because it's fast. Mm -hmm. And, like, his ability, or the choreography's ability to, like, keep track of what they're doing is 
really something. Uh, another thing about the choreography that we haven't talked about, and because we only are just now mentioning the martial arts, is, again, what is an action movie supposed to do? And so many action films, especially with weapons, is calculated, it's cool, and it always works. And yeah. in this film, for I don't know if it was the first time, but it was the first time I ever noticed, I felt like there are moments of martial arts where... It's not that they mess up, but it doesn't look fluid and perfect. Oh, yeah. Like you're saying, he's balancing and, and positioning himself, helping a friend. Um, so he's sort of clumsy. And there are moments where his, his landings don't strike very fluidly. And yeah. he kind of gets jolted. And like it, it looks like a person really doing martial arts. He's, and, he's fighting for his life. And, yeah. and that's what it looks like. And I wonder how much of it was redone or if they're just like, he messed up a couple times and it looks real and it looks good and yeah. they let it go. And Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, like, from an untrained eye, you can see, like, this guy is, like, completely, he's doing everything perfectly. But, you know, on the second rewatch, I was like, man, he's really, like, at some points, he's, like, really struggling. Yeah, he looks tired. Yeah. Um, and he's just... You can tell, like, he is constantly analyzing the things around him to use. Mm. Um, and that's what it seems like a big part of this martial arts style is, again, using the things around you to turn them against the people that are coming at you. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and, there, and there's a lot of grappling. It is a grappling martial arts style, and there is a lot of, like, you know, taking hold of your enemy to... Uh, to incapacitate them. So he makes it through this whole hallway. It must be like 15 guys uh, in the first go, uh, like showing, you know, how good he is at this. Um, and also, I think like at the end, there's like one of the last guys that he kills at the end of that fight scene. I think he like, he shoots him in the head or something like that and it's interesting at the end of the fight scenes when you know when he's able to take a breath when we're able to take a breath as an audience there are, there's like this moments where it centers in on his face and you see him like living with the fact that he just killed a lot of people um especially the ones at the end of the scene where he kills in like more personal ways. Like there's the one guy towards the middle of the film where he basically picks him up and drops his head on a broken door mm -hmm. and impales his head. <laughs> it's rough stuff, yeah. but you gotta do what you gotta do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like you're saying it, it, it weighs. <laughs> It, it definitely weighs on him, the physical act and the emotional act of it. And it's not a movie that's driven by over-the-top yeah. dialogue and narrative where he would look at the look beyond the camera and be like, I can't believe I've done that. Yeah. Instead, you, just, you have to watch and feel it with him. Yeah. Which is a, a difficult thing to do well, I would imagine, yeah. in a film. Yeah. So, uh, in between all this, we kind of go back to Tama to check in on, like, what he's doing. Um, and he he tells Mad Dog and Andy, he's like, you, you two have to go down. You two have to find him. Uh, or find them. He th Tama does not yet know how efficient Rama is. 
um, and that Rama is the one that is evading and like turning the tables on everything. Yeah. So Andy goes down uh, reluctantly, which we're about to find out why. Uh, Mad Dog goes down. We don't yet know what Mad Dog is capable of or him as a character. We just know that his name is Mad Dog. I mean, his name is Mad Dog. Yeah, he's a Mad Dog. <laughs> um, Rama and the uh, injured lieutenant guy take refuge in the guy that was outside the building before they get there, the guy that was trying to get to his wife. Gofar. Yeah. That's his name? I, I just saw it is Gofar. Thank God. Um, and they do go far. Yeah. All um, the way into the apartment. And, and reluctantly, he lets them in. Yes. Uh, his wife does not want to let them in because no. she does not want to get involved. But right. for some reason, he lets them in. Uh, and he lets them hide in like a hollowed out part of his wall. Yes. Which this again, is, this is when we start seeing like the kind of creativity of the set design. It's so cool. And, and this is one of, we've talked about this scene numerous times and it's one of the coolest scenes. And again, so much of it, it, it is, this set is so malleable yeah it, a lot of the apartment complex is coming apart and they're <laughs> yeah. already behind the walls um i love this scene yeah oh it's it's so good um so they're hiding out uh in this in like a room within a room um and you get this dude with absolutely insane eyes come into <laughs> the building come into the room and he's like, are you hiding people here? I know that you are. And he starts just randomly stabbing his machete in the wall where they're hiding. Right. He just happens to choose the right wall. Yeah, this part, I was like, okay, it's a little silly that he would decide yeah. to do that. Yeah, and also just go down a line yep. of the wall, just yep. getting closer and closer to them. And he gets to the point where he gets towards the end of the wall and he just sticks the machete in. And it does cut Rama on the face. Um, and he <laughs> leaves the machete in there yep. uh, because he starts arguing with the tenants of the of the room. And Rama is like, well, this sucks. Um, and he's trying to get the machete away from his face as quietly as he can. Um, and, this, and the guy starts removing the machete. And because he is such a cool detail, but he puts his hand up to wipe the blood off the machete. It's so cool. It's so fucking cool. To let the to to not let them know uh, that they're there. Yeah, it, I, like again, the even just thinking about that as a filmmaker, of course. Yeah, you're gonna want to cover that. Never would have thought of that. No, and I think a lesser movie, and there are lesser movies, would not have done that. Right. No, that was such a cool little detail. Um, <laughs> so they come, they come out of that room. Uh, he helps the lieutenant. He gets rid of the bullet. Um, and then he tells nice man who let them in. He's like, keep this guy here. He's a jackass, but he's a good dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he leaves the building, uh, and then he, there's a whole other fight scene. He's just fighting, fighting like a, like crazy little boy. Um, and, uh, after he, after that fight scene, he's really tired. Um, and he's kind of like stumbling around and Andy, the smart guy of the two drags him into a bathroom or apartment. It, a room. Yeah. Um, 
And we learn that Andy is Brahma's brother. And the and when at the beginning of the film where he said I'll get him back, he's talking about Andy, right? Which is why you would assume it is his father, probably that yeah. he's talking to about yeah. returning Andy from this way of life. So you have these awesome polar opposites: Rama, the new cop; Andy, the the drug lord sort of uh, henchman, financier to a drug lord. Sure. Seems. <laughs> yeah. Um. And before we have pretty interesting conversation between those two uh between the two brothers it kind of cuts over to jaka and how he's doing um with the dumb dumb captain guy um and you know he goes to the gray-haired guy and he's like why did why did you bring us here Mm -hmm. and then that's when he's realized you he's like you didn't tell anybody they were coming here right um and he starts getting wise to what this guy is doing why they are here and he's like i don't care that you're a higher rank than me you're following my rules now and they move uh they move to leave the apartment but when they do that old mad dog shows up baby and we get to see (laughs) how mad the dog gets yeah Nope. No, that was the wrong one, but that works. Um, Jaka, like, as soon as he as soon as he sees Mad Dog, they kind of get into this tight little squabble uh, where they uh, they knock each other down. Uh, Jaka pulls out his knife. Um, Mad Dog pulls out a gun. Yeah. Mad Dog, I think, technically has the upper hand because he has the gun. Yeah, you would imagine. <laughs> um, the captain runs away, and Jaka, really showing how like good of a dude he is, tells the other guy that he's with, go after him. Yeah, he like makes. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't say stay here and help me against nope. this Mad Dog. Nope. Go ahead. Go ahead and help him. And then we have uh, one of the best scenes in the movie where uh, Mad Dog leading Jaka into the apartment that they were in by yep. gunpoint, shuts the door, and then goes through this monologue where he's like, I don't like guns. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're too impersonal. Uh, fighting is what makes me kind of feel alive. Yeah. And this is the first kind of tidbit into Mad Dog's character homeboy a loves to fight yep b is like kind of a serial killer by martial arts yeah yeah this is definitely his passion and it is the ultimate goal of killing and uh, again i don't mean to keep returning to this rhetorical question of what is an action movie supposed to do yeah but of course you don't want to see in my mind, ultimately, putting the guns down leads to a more eventful sort of action. Yeah. And so you get to see Mad Dog sort of represent this idea of, I don't know, a, a more fulfilling action. And you can tell in his eyes that he likes to be, he likes to be on the back step. Like he, mm. like he's, he's a small guy. Yeah. Especially in comparison to Jaka, who is a big dude. Yeah, all the cops are much more fulfilled, not just because they're wearing armor. Yeah. They look like larger trained men. Yeah. All of the sort of apartment complex um, 
scrappy henchmen are smaller. Yeah. Mad Dog just has like a fucking like shitty cargo pants and a t-shirt. He looks like he just stopped like skating <laughs> after like a Vans event. No, yeah, he definitely is uh definitely outnumbered in the in the idea of putting the gun down. But Yeah. But you tell you can tell that like this is like this what this is what gets him off. Yeah. Uh is like this moment where he can square up against a guy um, and then try to emerge victorious. I will say this whole fight is extremely even. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't say, even though Mad Dog wins at the end, I wouldn't say that he had the upper hand at any point. He just yeah. happens, because he's squirrely, yeah. get, he, he happens to win at the end. Jaka, like can handle his own yes and it's such a bummer that he dies it's a cool way that he gets him though yeah <laughs> so they're fighting they're fighting and then i don't even know what mad dog does to ultimately get the upper hand but he gets the upper hand right he has him in like a chokehold where you can tell he's like gonna break his neck yep but he's like he's like he's living the moment yeah. he likes it yeah, I, honestly, th this is the most, and there is some dialogue at the beginning of it, but it's the most personal fight. Yeah, yeah. There's Until later. Later, later. But so far, this is the most dialogue we've probably had in yep. the entire film. Yep. <laughs> um, it's the most personal. Uh, a lot of characters coming out of Mad Dog. It's a really good ending. Yeah. Um, and he snaps poor Jocka's neck. One thing I missed, Andy is taking the elevator down with two guys. Yeah. And this is where we start to understand that Andy is not who he is. He kills the two guys in the elevator. Right. And we don't know why. No. We don't know why until he grabs Rama, uh, and we learn that he's his brother. Right. So he is sort of working both sides at this point. Yeah. Uh, and so after the Jocko Mad Dog fight... Um, which is a really fun thing to say. Um, we transition to the scene where uh, Andy and Rama like talk to each other, and we learn a little bit about their backstory. This is one of the moments of stillness where we actually, you know, get a, the the movie gives us a little bit to go on. And this is where you have the most dialogue. Yeah. Um, and again, picking up a narrative that is I would imagine the through line of the entire film. Yeah. That's, it's got to be. Yeah. There's really nothing else. This is it. Except it's, the captain's motivation that we will get to. Sure. But even that, I will am admit, I felt like, was too short. Yeah. Yeah. It could have had more. And maybe it's expanded upon in the raid, too. Maybe? Which, if you didn't know, there's a raid, too. I did know, and but I have not seen. Neither have I. Okay. Look at that. We got a podcast to talk about it. <laughs> um... So we learn that Brahma didn't even know Andy was alive mm -hmm. until apparently his face came up on like the whiteboard at work because yeah. they were like, hey, we're going to attack this apartment complex. Um, we know that Andy is in this life not necessarily by desperation, but because he feels rejected by his dad. Yeah. 
And I, I think it, it, this speaks again to the larger sort of commentary that how many of these people are living in the limbo or the balance between rejection of whether it's a parent or society yeah. and an acceptance of the sort of crazy drug lord that manipulates you. And yeah. And yeah. And it's another great little insight into the, the sort of character development. The, the, the few character developments we get, it's such a nice one. Yeah. I would, I, I think Gareth Evans has said that there was a raid three planned at some point, but mm -hmm. he decided against doing it. Right. If they ever were to do a follow-up, I would love to see a prequel to kind of figure out how Andy ended up where he was. Right. Um, yeah, there's just a lot. There's a lot left unsaid in this movie mm -hmm. that I would love to see explored a bit more. Uh, Rama's kind of like, well, I'm here for you. And Andy's like, well, I don't care. I don't want to leave. And and like you said, we, you know, we see this is a person who is okay with his surroundings. Yeah, he doesn't want to leave. He he likes where he is. He likes the power that he has. Right. Um. He's fine with you know where he is. Um. So they go their separate ways. He and Mad Dog go back up to Tama. Um. And you see Mad Dog dragging Jaka's dead body. <laughs> it's a um, great scene. And you, they go back up to Tama, and this is another point where it kind of shows what uh, Mad Dog is all about. Um, he, like, throws Jaka's dead body in front of Tama, <laughs> and Andy is like, that's not the guy. And <laughs> Mad Dog goes, well, it still counts. It's still a guy. <laughs> yeah. He's just um, trying to get his kill count up. <laughs> um, he's just... He is just, he's in it, he's in it to win it. He's just, he doesn't care. Right. This is kind of like any other day for him. He's a mad dog. He's a mad dog. Um, and Tama is like, you know, I don't care about that, Andy. You know what I do care about? That you betrayed me. And he like puts Andy's hand on the table and like stabs it. Yes, because uh, on top of the telecon system, uh, this apartment complex is clearly dialed in with cameras. Yeah. So there's a, a constant communication system from the top 15th floor and then back to the 15th floor. And that cameras. was explained to, um, that was explained to Rama by the guy that lets him into his apartment. Oh, right. He's like, right. even if you do like, fight your way or whatever there are cameras on every inch of this building They're like there's no place where you can hide right um so yeah you th there's a very very like small videotape moment where you see andy pull rama into the apartment where they have that conversation and that's where uh tama figures out that andy is uh is not on his side yeah and and i love the the constant sort of panopticon 24-7 surveillance idea through this film because it also leads to the sort of insanity that follows Tama's narrative that while he can see everything that's happening, he's it's he's letting it unfold in this sort of yeah. voyeuristic way that he's just watching. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like a like an affluent person watching a ballet. Yeah, he's just sitting there, and and it, it just adds to his sort of insanity of yeah. like, 
the spectacle that he this is what he lives for it honestly gets me going that you brought up panopticon Mm -hmm. because i actually just learned what that is it's perfect i mean in a way only if the the tenants of course know that they're being watched yeah would be the full thing and and the the gofar says that he knows that they're all being watched yeah yeah which is the the ultimate sort of control i said it before and i'll say it again i hope he does go far (laughs) raid two we'll see he's the main character (laughs) (laughs) it seems like a shitty joke but i mean his name is go far it's just it's bright there i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know what you want me to do (laughs) o-f-a-r it's just it's that's just english baby (laughs) that's just here we go yeah, 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 I got the right button that time. <laughs> um, okay, where were we? Oh, yeah, Andy uh, showed his ass gets his by hand accident. Stabbed. Yeah, gets his hand stabbed, and he's turned over to the mad dog. Yeah. Mad dog's going to take him into his basement. He's mad. So we're getting towards the end of the film, which I know seems wild, but again, this movie is like, I think, like an hour and 40 minutes. An hour and... W- 40 minutes. I had to do the math in my head for a second. There. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, it really doesn't feel that long. Uh, no. I know that you said that they like edited it. Apparently it was like once two hours, but they edited 20 minutes out. Nothing. Yeah. They barely removed anything. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Rama meets back up with uh, Wahoo. And the other guy that we do get his name. So let me just, it's at the end of my, I have fucking six pages of notes here. Oh yeah, you can. Yeah. So the guy with, um, Wahoo is named, uh, Dagu, Dagu, D-A-G-U. That would be my best guess. Um, uh, so Brahma meets up with those two, um, they're like, we got to get to the top of bill, the top of the building. We got to get, uh, there's only so many of us left. We at least need to get this dude and have it account for something. Um, and they go again, like you said, uh, just like a great kind of exploration of what this building is like. They go into this really expansive, like industrialist room where they're, I guess, mixing all the drugs, creating all the drugs. Yeah, this is the lab. Um, yeah. Not clear what drug they're all doing. No. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but Could yeah. be something local to, like, uh, Indonesia. I don't know. Sure. Um, but it's a really beautiful set design as far as absolute grime. It's wild because it's like, where where is the space in this building? Because right. it seems so compact. Yes, yeah. Um, and again, they do this really dope fight scene where you really start to see kind of, you start, you st- really start to see Rama tire mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah. even though he's still like handedly defeating a lot of these people. Yeah. Um, he <laughs> has this really gross move where he flips a dude on his head steps on his head and breaks his neck with his foot <sighs> which is rough <laughs> yeah, but again it's all smooth and eloquent it's yeah. like it's not gross for gross sake no, it no, just no, no. happens to be the result of these amazing 
martial arts. Yeah, I mean, it's snap moves. decisions. Yeah. It's not like he could have planned this out. He's li- Those people are... They're trying to kill him. Exactly. Yeah, he, he doesn't have the luxury of being fucking Batman right. and, like, maiming people. Like, he right. is just trying to get himself out of this situation. And he is busting just right through the body. It's wild. Um... They have, like, some stupid shots of Wahoo, like, shittily beating up a couple people, but who the fuck cares about him, honestly? Um, I so, can't wait till we see or hear how Wahoo's name is really pronounced. I am <laughs> really trying not to be, like, culturally insensitive. I just don't know how his name is pronounced. No, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, they eviscerate an entire drug lab, um, and they're bolting up the steps, trying to get to the top floor. They're almost at the top floor, and they see a room, or I'm sorry, Rama sees a room. He hears a person getting beat up and tortured, and he sees that it's his brother. Andy. And he walks in, and again, we see what Mad Dog is all about. He, he, He is beating the shit out of Andy, and he sees Rama walk in, and he stops, and he has he has Andy and like he has his arms like chained up, and he has this uh, sort of like a uh, lever that he's keeping him uh, uh, hung up on. And he unties Andy. He drops him to the ground. He lets Rama come over to Andy and bandage his wrists and his hand. Um, he lets them compose themselves. And then, one of my favorite parts, Andy and Rama are standing right next to each other. And uh, Mad Dog comes up to them. He makes a little motion for them to, like, move apart. And he puts him, and Mad Dog puts himself directly in the middle of Rama and Andy. Because he wants, he wants to take them on both at the same time. He wants them both to be on even footing um he doesn't want like them to be like dazed or anything like he gives andy enough time to get himself at least to a place where he can fight back and he's like and he put he specifically puts himself in a position where he is at a disadvantage right but ultimately the the advantage or at least the i would imagine the reason he wants it is at the end of the day, Mad Dog has a respect for fighting. Yeah. And all of this style of martial arts, and I think some of the best films that center themselves around martial arts is this respect for the fight. Yeah. And yet, he puts himself in the middle. And this is where, again, like I referenced before, and I don't know if it's an ignorance to just the way that action films are, but it's the pacing of this film, the slowness of letting them gain their composure. Yeah to heal themselves, the slowness versus the speed at which we've been moving throughout the entire film. Yeah. It goes back and forth fast, slow, fast, slow. And there's just this silence of like, Oh my God, they don't talk. It's amazing. And, uh, you can tell that he respects Rama as the person that made it the whole way up here. Yes. He respects Andy as, you can tell that there's kind of like a big brother, little brother relationship going on with them because Andy is like the responsible one and yeah. Mad Dog is the, the say loose it, king. Go for it, Mad Dog. He's, he's a Mad the, Dog. He's the Mad Dog. Um, 
So they're like, yeah, there is this like kind of really beautiful moment of like recognition amongst yeah. the three of them. It's a respect. This feels more like the boss battle than yeah. really anything else in the film. Yeah. And this is the fight between him and Jock is pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. This is a really good fight. I almost want to say the one between him and Jock is better. Yeah. How do you feel? I I like this one maybe more because we are coming closer to the end and it yeah. feels more uh, as we'll allude to how it concludes. Climactic. Yeah. Yeah. I like that element of it. I don't know. I'm surprised. It seems like a deliberate choice to have him and Andy fight him as opposed to just Rama. True. Yeah. True. Um, cause that, when I watched it the first time, I was like, oh man, I wanted to just see one-on-one Rama and Mad Dog. Right. And, and Andy seems to have been at odds with Mad Dog and it's a little too, yeah, like, like you said, obvious. Or... But watching it again, I, I think I like it a little bit more. Uh, I, I, I think I, I like and respect the decision a little bit more to have the two of right. them fight him. Yeah. Uh, just because of like the, the meta text of of uh of mad dog as a character yeah um he wants to be at the disadvantage almost yeah so they start fighting and they cut away to show uh wahoo and uh dagu daju um get to the final the 15th floor and break down the door to get to Tama. Um, and just as he's about to detain Tama, he fucking, uh, shitty gray hair piece of shit person I've been shitting on this whole time, shoots Dagu in the head. Yeah. Like an asshole. Yep, yep. And this is where we finally explicitly see that he was not here for like altruistic we got to get this dude off the right, streets the right reasons, reasons yeah. um he was here purely and wholly for personal reasons right we still don't exactly know why yeah that's my only i have notes of critique where i'm just like any bit of light yeah would have been nice on the shit the shit like at the end where like tama is like monologuing to him is like we could have gotten a little bit more right um yeah, that's a, I think that's a good piece of critique. Uh, we cut then back to the fight uh, between uh, Mad Dog, Andy, and Rama. And again, even though it's a 2v1, it is pretty fucking even. Yeah, yeah. And it is exhausting. Yes, it is cool to see the amount of... The 1v2 division of attention yeah. to do sort of this physical movement over and over and divide your attention. It is, again, these actors, these performers, whatever, these fighters are so talented. They're just at the top of their craft. It's so cool. Um, and we, you fully see just how good Mad Dog is at fighting. Yeah. Um, and why he is like the enforcer for Tama. He's Mad Dog. He's <laughs> don't gotta tell me twice, buddy. Yeah, I barely even push that. It doesn't need much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all right. So they're fighting. It's honestly, it's really hard to break this fight down uh, because it's it's honestly most of it's just a battle of attrition. Right. It's just like who's getting more tired. But it does come down to the last part where does he have Rama or Andy in a headlock? He has he has a person in the same position that he had Jaka in before he snaps yeah, Jaka's you, you neck. You think he's going to do the neck break move? I think it's Rama. Or no, is it Andy? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> We're going to say he has someone. He has one of the brothers. Yeah, in a headlock. He's about to do what he did to Jaka. Um, it's Andy. Yeah. Because Rama stabs him in the neck. Because Rama's the one that kills him, yeah. Yeah. Rama stabs him in the neck. And then, even with a knife coming out of his neck, Mad Dog still fights. Yeah. Like, for... At least a minute. It feels like a while. <laughs> it's kind of like that scene in Fellowship of the Ring where Boromir is being shot with like a thousand arrows and <laughs> he, he just, just keeps, keeps fighting. Yeah. Um, it's like that. Uh, but it's that type of character. That is what Mad Dog ultimately wanted. And it's very indicative of his name because at that point he's literally like a backed into a corner animal. Like like a rabid dog. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, this movie's really just beautiful it, 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 and it's so subtle i can't emphasize enough how difficult sometimes it is for me to watch a movie without the over heavy-handed sort of dialogue yeah. to help hold my hand yeah and this movie is able to do it with action like it's such a stark difference to our first episode which was independence day right yeah they're, um, they're they're doing it all through action yeah uh, and it's interesting because, like, Independence Day has a two-and-a-half-hour runtime. Yeah. Um, Much different. And I would say the message in that is more muddled than this movie, which is nearly a full hour less. Yeah, it, it makes you really rethink the genre as a whole. Yeah. Um, so, eventually, um, Mad Dog... Uh, Rama gets the best, get gets the better of Mad Dog, and he takes the knife in his neck and just moves it around his throat and cuts his throat again. <laughs> it, it was, it's what he wanted. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, if there was, if there was a way for Mad Dog to go, that was it. That was it. Um, such yeah. a cool ending. To yeah, that character. Yeah. Um, I would, my uh, man. I would. I would love like a TV show or a movie about him. Mm -hmm. um, what is that actor's name? Mad Dogs. His name is Yayan Rihoyan. Okay, that's the best of my ability to pronounce that. I mean, it's the best you could do. Yep. Yep. Yayan. Yayan. Yep. 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 So, uh, Rama and Andy make it out alive. Um, they chase after, or they're trying to catch up with Wahoo uh, and Dagu, not knowing that Wahoo has effectively turned on them. Yeah. And Wahoo is bringing Tama down the steps at gunpoint uh, and sees Rama and Andy and shoots at them and nearly hits Rama like in the head. 
Like, he gets very close with his shot. And again, is this just a senior cop trying to get his last big reward? Like, yeah. Like, what is the point of him turning? And as, so as he's walking down, he's walking Tama down, Tama then starts explaining for <laughs> us why Wahoo is there. Yeah, yeah. Again, where so much of this movie did not require dialogue for explanation, would have loved something. <laughs> something, yeah. Anything. So we learn that Wahoo is there because he is working for the same bosses that employ Tama. Right. And he is there because in his mind, he's trying to get Tama out of the picture. But unbeknownst to Wahoo, I feel fucking ridiculous saying Wahoo. Um, Unbeknownst to him, the bosses were going to kill him anyway. Right. And he shoots Tama in the head, which was just a very anticlimactic ending to him. That's what I mean. The the big boss battle was Mad Dog, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he tries to kill himself, doesn't have any bullets, and so Rama detains him. Yep. And then they're walking out to the outside of the apartment complex. Andy waves the two... (laughs) leftover guards he's like let these guys through they're good um and he has this really cool line where he's like he more or less says you're doing what you're good at and i'm doing what i'm good at right and and to me this is the whole parallel dynamic between the apartment complex as a a staple within the community Mm -hmm. and the cops as a staple within the community depending on which side you're on both are the good both are the bad and yeah and it really contextualizes just from like an american standpoint where you hear where you see these headlines uh these extremely like racialized headlines of like uh like black men that are uh caught for like mugging exactly. or something like that and you have these extreme uh like very colored language of them as like almost like savages right but these like these young men are doing things not because a lot of the times not because they want to because they feel like it's the only avenue for them to get out of the situation that they're in or or any sort of mobility or ability to live within the parameters that they're given yeah because of the because they are put into this place because of how the system is designed right um and that is that's like just like a wild way for this movie to, and that that's how the movie ends that's it rama leaves andy closes the gate and it says braid redemption and it is over right. is the is tama himself the the drug lord that oversaw the entire operation was that the entire goal or was the entire operation the apartment complex the goal and and clearly i I don't think it was to bring down the entire apartment complex because yeah. they we see all these little slice of life characters who are just living there because they have to. And Rama has some sort of morals that 
is not just to kill everybody there. Yeah. 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 So it's this funny dynamic where it's like everyone just kind of walks away, wiping their hands like, all right, on to the next day. Andy does seem like he got what he wanted, which is to be at the top. Right. To take out Tama. And he, and he does like, Rama does say like, you know, we're going to be back. Right. And Andy says, we're not going to be here. Right. What's yeah. It's just like moving on. Yeah. So that's the end of the movie. I feel out of breath. <laughs> it's, it is like you said. It's a force. You get you get the fentanyl in the ass, and you just go. I forgot that I said that. Yeah, first line. Yeah. Whew. Yubby yubby. Uh, questions or thoughts or concerns? Do you have any uh, thing that you want to bring up? Probably. <laughs> um, uh, a couple things Roger Ebert said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Direct quote from Roger Ebert, who gave this film a one out of five stars. Have Are you, you fucking kidding me? Oh, yeah. Oh, what a piece of shit. Have you noticed how cats and dogs will look at a TV screen on which there are things jumping around? This film is to that level of brain's reptilian complex that the film appeals. Oh, I'm going to hit him. <laughs> well, he's dead. Yeah, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll figure it out. He, he, uh, and he, I think, inaccurately felt... He says, what does redemption mean in the title? Who mm. or what is being redeemed and how? This is a good question, and I feel that the redemption was added just for fluff. I don't agree. Yeah. I, I honestly felt just from the sort of beginning conversation we had, redemption in my mind could be pointed to so many different, not only individual characters, but the overarching sort of idea that we're talking about from both good and bad sides yeah. being redeemed. I think uh, I think Rama thought that he was going to try to redeem his brother. Right. And I think Andy, in his mind, is redeemed because now he is at the top. Right. Um, yeah, there's so... That definition of redemption is so fluid within this movie and it and it it, it does fit and i think it's yeah. very shallow and strange i don't know who the fuck cares about roger ebert but like it's funny that he's like i don't know what this means redemption is such like it a because it was you know re-released with this title it is a very like american subtitle to add to a movie but i do think it does make sense yeah and i i, I think he's just kind of latching onto that and for him to think i also that think roger ebert shouldn't have fucking watched this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah he he could have done a lot of other things like what the fuck came out that week that he's like i'm gonna watch the raid i the man was busy that's true but i i think it's silly that he he could see a film that was propelled and focused by action and was just like, yeah, it's like uh, like a, a thing bouncing around like a cat would watch. That's all you saw? <sighs> it felt shallow. That It almost disrespected the very specific type of martial arts that's being done. Yeah. Which is something to note. Like, yeah. it, it is a art. And not only that, but, like, the, the social and economic things that are happening within Indi Indonesia that we know nothing about. That, too. I, I really am completely ignorant to any of those details yeah. and to act like, well, I will give, I don't know if this means anything, but whether or not it's on purpose, we have no idea where this is set. It is an Indonesian film. Yeah. Yeah. We don't necessarily it mean it know. It has to yeah. be that it's in Indonesia. Yeah. Oh, wait, don't we? 
I don't know. Doesn't that? Hold on. It says. No, you don't. You don't. I got it. Uh, doesn't it say that it's yeah? Uh, the slums of Jakarta. Okay, so it's in Jakarta. Yeah. All right. Then then it would apply. I didn't know if it was ever explicitly said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was funny. Roger Ebert was like, there's a few, you can obviously find plenty of reviews of this film. Do you have any others by any chance? Of his? Or just any other reviews of The Raid? Yeah, there's a, a pretty good one just on the Wikipedia page. I just heard about it uh, like from a podcast at the time mm-hmm. in 2011. Um, B- from Owen Gleiberman? Mm. Called it fists of fury mixed with torture per- porn. I would not call it torture porn. No. All of the violence is very intentional. And it's, again, I said this is the beginning, it's not gratuitous at all. Right. I thought it was going to be excessively bloody, and it's really not. No. <laughs> um, no, I don't think it, yeah. That's interesting. Well, that's the raid. Uh, final thoughts. Let me just triple check here. You're triple checking your thoughts. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. That's the noise. Uh, I, I like the idea. This is not a, a final thought, but just to continually comment on the idea of raiding an apartment building is a technically and physically interesting task. Yeah. I just think it's a really cool note yeah to do an entire film within an apartment building and the idea of like how you would physically do that and how different the film felt the fact that they were going through floorboards like up and down vertically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um was nice as opposed to ignoring sort of the like how an apartment building is actually built they they really focus on how it's built yeah and they really like were creative with the space. Yeah. Um, and I had a point, and now it has escaped me. So that'll happen. Doesn't matter anymore. It's dead now. Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I will also just reiterate. I think it's such a big leap to make a film so simplistic in nature. Yeah. And do so well. Yeah. I'm oh my. still not sure how they did it. It's like it's really cool. I am excited to, well, first I want to watch uh, Apostle, which is uh, a, a movie Gareth Edwards did, I think, last year, which is a horror film, mm. which I hear is great. Uh, and the reviews I saw was that he's able to like transcend genres, which I'm very excited about. That's cool. Um, so I'm going to give that a watch. And then I'm, I'm just excited to see whatever he does next. Uh, yeah, I thought it was cool. In an interview, he said that he considered The Raid a horror film. I mean, it is horrific. It is horrific. Um, he says a horror thriller. Like, it's the conditions that those tenants have to live through is horrific. The level of, like, drugs that are happening within that building is horrific. The violence that is happening that is horrific. Is horrific. The things that those men have to go through in order to escape is horrific. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's all horrific. Uh, the only last question I had was, did Rama, the main character, feel like any other main character 
main characters or tropes that you would find in an action film? Or did he stand out in a, a sort of unique position? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's a good point. I think, I mean, yeah, I think he is iterative on other main characters in action films because that's just, that's just what happens. You know, everything is connected to everything else. Everything is influenced by everything else. But I do think that he stands out because not only, like, when you have these type of action films that are centered around one character, usually you know what you're dealing with within the first couple seconds, uh, the first couple minutes, you know, that these, that this person is extremely effective at violence, uh, very, very quickly. And again, you don't really know that about him until 38 minutes in. And only then he is doing that because he's trying to help one of his, uh, colleagues out. And then he's trying to do it uh, because he wants to help his brother. And then he is trying to do it because he wants to get Tama. And then he is doing it because he sees his brother getting tortured. And then after that, he again is refocused on Tama. Hmm. So I feel like he does have where, you know, you see these people, um, these people in films who are like doing things because they're good at it because I can, I think he does have some sort of like separating factor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is that sort of like John Wick's character? Yeah, I would say, yeah, that's similar to John Wick's character and that, you know, uh, can, uh, at the surface level, he's doing it because uh, some piece of shit killed his dog, but he's also doing that because he's grieving over his wife who he just lost from right. cancer. Something that... You know, he has spent his entire life um, putting a fine point to people's lives through violence. And then he lost the person he loved most out of a disease, something he mm, can't control. Yes, the act of control. For, yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, even if that movie didn't have that part of it and he was just doing it because somebody killed his dog, I'd still be with him the whole way. Right. You come after my dog? Dude, I would, I would absolutely, if I could do the things he did, I would do that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that brings us to the end, baby. I think, uh, uh, next time around, I believe we're going to be talking about the rock. Yeah. I would the like to see that. Seminal Michael Bay film from <laughs> 1997. Who would go on to direct Transformers. Oh, yes. <laughs> the greatest action film. But I hear The Rock is, like, genuinely really good. Cool. I've somehow not seen it. You have not seen it. So Never we're both We're it. both coming into this one uh, with uh, Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, Can't Lose. That's right. And that's Friday Night Lights. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for uh, listening. Uh, I think I mentioned last time, but maybe at some point we'll get to a point where uh, people are listening to this and we can have questions, but mm. we will see you when we get there, I guess. Yeah. Love you and uh, stay safe out there. <laughs> <laughs>